Stormester skal finde den mindst udulige ah! af de mest udulige. Han magler færdefærdig. <laughs> Sammen to papkasser. Åh oh, nej, Mark. Må jeg ikke ringe til min mor? Stormester. En chance til. Det er ikke på nogen måde behageligt. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mine damer og herrer, hjertelig velkommen til podcasten. Velkommen til endnu en omgang basketball her på TV2 Sports. I dag en lidt special udgave, det tror jeg godt, I kan løfte sløret for, og også en udgave, der kommer til at foregå på engelsk. Vi har nemlig fået øh, jamen, øh, en, en mand, der tidligere selv har spillet for et af de mest legendariske skoler, nemlig Duke, hvor han også har været træner. Og nu står han altså i spidsen for Marquette, navnet er Steve Wojciechowski. Coach Vojo, welcome to uh, to our podcast. Welcome uh, to the off season. I'm very excited to uh, to talk to you on uh, on how this season has been. I was with you early in Italy, and now uh, one season later, um, we're going to look back on a little bit. How are you guys doing, and how are you doing? Doing great, man. Uh, obviously, happy to to be with you today. I, you got to know that Marquette Nation still is clamoring for you to come over and, <laughs> and, uh, and broadcast, broadcast our games over here in the States, but uh, things are good. We're in the offseason as well, and we have guys in summer school doing individual workouts and running camps, and so uh, making steps forward with our program. You're also making another step, which I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm happy about, but you're turning 40 this August. I'm turning 40 September, so you, yeah. you're beating me on that one, <laughs> so... Uh, but but I want to go back instead of looking forward to your birthday. Going back to '94 to '98, you're Duke alum. You played uh, at that time for one of the greatest uh, or college universities. How was that time in basketball? Looking at what it is today. 
Well, you know, I, I had an amazing college basketball experience at Duke and playing for Coach K and, and uh, you know, some incredible memories as a player. Um, but now, as you say, approaching 40, the things I remember most from my college experience are the relationships mm-hmm. uh, that I was able to develop and the experiences that I was able to have. You know, it was a little bit different time in college basketball when I played because you didn't have guys the best players leaving after a year, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and whether it was the guys that, uh, you know, I played against the Vince Carters and, and Tim Duncans of the world who were around my era, those guys were in school for three or four years. Nowadays, the best players usually are only in college for about 12 months. So, you know, I think it was maybe a little bit more competitive in terms of the depth of talent. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, college basketball is always exciting. Uh, the long list of NBA players that went and came through Duke, uh, as you said, some of them stayed, some of them, you know, left a little bit earlier. But at that time, did you realize that some of the names were going to be really, really big, not just NBA players, but basketball names uh, and worldwide uh, names? Did you know at that time that that you, when you played against Duncan that he was going to be uh, that good? Well, I think Tim Duncan's the best player that I've ever been on the same floor with. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you knew, you know, when he was playing at Wake Forest and I was playing at Duke, that he was something special. Now, did I know that he would go down as maybe arguably the greatest power forward to have ever lived? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure I thought that. But, uh, you know, what he's been able to do in terms of his consistency over two decades as an NBA player is just incredible. Um, and you saw the fundamentals, you saw the uh, basketball IQ, you saw the impact that he had on winning uh, in college, but it's hard to predict anybody's going to be, you know, one of the best players to have ever played the game, you know, as a 19-year-old. Yeah, yeah. You're on the other side now, or you have been for a while as a coach. Um, that pressure you felt as a player, you came in right after, I believe, Duke lost the national championship game to Arkansas. Uh, that pressure as a player compared to the pressure as a coach, uh, is that different? Do the players, do, did you think about the stage you were on compared to when you were there as a coach? Yeah, you know, there is a difference between playing and coaching. You know, I I happen to think that playing is easier uh, than coaching, Mm -hmm. you know, because you, you know, you you had more control of the situation, especially at my position, the point guard position. You know, the ball was in your hands and you had the actual ability to make physical plays on the floor and impact the game. And coaching, you know, you're, you're trying to teach your guys in a practice setting, but when the ball goes in the air, the coaches have an impact for sure, but players, I think, dictate the way the game is going to go, mm-hmm. ultimately. And, and so you don't have quite the impact of a game as you did or as I felt I did as a player. So in that respect, it's a little bit harder. I, I still wish I had uh, some eligibility left at times. <laughs> uh, we don't want to stay too much in your playing career at that time, but I kind of want to set the scene for when we talk about Henry Ellison and, and maybe this last game as a college player. Your last game, uh, sorry to bring it up, 86-84, uh, lost your feelings after that game. Uh, did you feel, was it the defeat or was it that it was the last you know, kind of game on your university level or was it 
a chapter in your, uh, that was closed. What kind of feelings did you have after, uh, after that last game of your college career? Well, when your career ends as a college basketball player, uh, you you go through a range of emotions, and you know there is there is an element of sadness that this part of the journey is ending, mm-hmm. uh, especially for someone like me who had uh, such a great uh, college experience and learned so much, and you know the ups and downs and the you know huge investment that it takes to be uh, you know outstanding player and to be a part of an outstanding team. When that journey ends, there I think. For any guy who invested a lot, there is a, a big element of sadness, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. So, uh, you know, essentially, at the end of a loss, and most college basketball careers end in a loss. Um, you know, there's that. Uh, it's it's not an easy time for sure. Does that differ from when you're a one and done player? I mean, do you get the same attachment uh, to the school, to the coaching staff, to your teammates? As if you were like like you there for the for the full ride. You know, I think every player is different, and uh, you know, I think really it has to do what to the the response that you have when your career ends, whether it's one, two, three, or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the investment that you make, um, not only as a player in terms of basketball, but the relationships. And so when that chapter comes to an end. If you've invested a lot, it's it's not an easy thing for your career to end, and uh, you know. But a lot of a lot of times, the guys who don't stay as long don't have as much time to build those investments of or course. go through those shared experiences that uh, you know that that create the emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. So, was that the reason why you came back uh, so early? I mean, you went and you played a little bit abroad, uh, believe in Poland, uh, but you got back to Duke. Uh, and got got on the coaching staff. Was that the plan all along, or was that because you really missed the the environment at, at Duke? Well, you know, I knew I wanted to coach, and, and mm-hmm. I went over to Poland. I was trying to get my dual citizenship so I could play in Europe uh, as a local instead of an import player. That helps. You know, that didn't work out. And um, so, you know, and then the, the job opened up at Duke, and, you know, it was really too good to pass up. You know, I, w- I, I could have p- continued to play, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have had a, you know, a, a career in basketball. Um, and I knew I wanted to have a career in coaching. So, you know, while it was a tough decision to to hang up the sneakers, um, you know, I knew that I had an amazing opportunity at 22 to be a part of Coach K's staff at Duke. Coach Vojo, you you've touched or coached a lot of uh, NBA guys going through your time at Duke. But is there anyone, any players, maybe not even NBA players, that stand out as being the the what do you say, the perfect picture of a college basketball player with the right attitude, the right mindset, the whatever it takes? Is there anyone of all the talent that stands out? I know it can be hard to pinpoint someone out, but just uh, to name drop a few, is there anyone where you say this this was a perfect college basketball player? Well, yeah, it's hard to to boil that down. I, you know, I think a guy who did college basketball and and did being a college student athlete as well as anyone was Shane Battier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a a champion uh, as a college basketball player in 2001. He was a captain of our national championship team. You know, he was a a great student. Um, I think he got 
the most of, out of his college career and then went on to, you know, a 10-year career and was an eventual NBA champion with the Miami Heat. You know, if, if there's a poster boy to, you know, how it should be done, I think Shane would be the guy that I was around that did it as well or better than anyone. And you both got to play with him, right, your senior year, and you also got to coach him. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, obviously I started coaching very early. So Shane was one of those guys that I played with. He was a freshman when I was a senior, and mm. and then I coached them for two years. Uh, so it was, you know, unusual circumstance with me starting to coach <laughs> so young. Uh, but uh, but Shane was, as, you know, he was as good as it got in terms of uh, a model student athlete at the college level. Uh, we're really close to the, to Marquette now, but two guys that also won a championship actually this uh, this past week: Dante Jones and and Kyrie Irving. Uh, you also had some uh, relationship with uh, or coached. Uh, what kind of guys were they? I mean, Kyrie had a little special, I would say, kind of the one and done. But it was more like half half and done with the injury and and didn't play yeah, that yeah. many games. Did you see at that time that he was that good? That he was going to be a, a top NBA player? Yes, I mean, it, it was very easy in being around Kyrie each day to recognize that he was a special talent. He was a guy that we knew would only be in school for a year. Now, we didn't uh, predict his injury mm-hmm. about a third of the way through his freshman campaign. But uh, he was a guy that we knew would be, you know, a potential NBA all-star and an outstanding player. And, uh, you know, Dante, who was on that team, Uh, with Cleveland that won a, won a world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a guy who, you know, finished uh, three years at Duke. He actually transferred to us from Rutgers. And, um, you know, he's a blue-collar defender, tough player, and, and uh, you know, really happy for both those guys uh, to, to win a championship, a special opportunity and memory for sure for, for both those guys. That was awesome. Coach, uh, you finished off, or you, at least you, you got an opportunity at Marquette, and then uh, by that finished off your, your stay at Duke. What have you learned over that whole period of time, and what was the most important part to, or pa- parts to take with you to start up a new program and trying to get Marquette uh, back on the, on the national map? Well, I think certainly, obviously, I'm gonna, I was going to take all the things that I learned as a player and a coach under Coach K and the lessons that uh, he learned and, and the way he approached building a program and building a team. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he gave me great advice when I left, and that was to be myself. You know, it's not a matter of copying somebody. It's taking the lessons you learned and using your own personality, uh, your values to try to build something special uh, at Marquette. And so... You know, again, I, I draw upon the lessons that I learned each day, but I, you know, again, I have to be true to myself as I lead this program. Did you learn more as a player or as a coach? I mean, you you were there pretty young as a coach, so obviously you picked up a lot of stuff there. But sometimes, you know, you you get that feeling that you learn stuff, but you don't really see it, and then later you reflect on it, the stuff that you learn on your body while playing on the court. Was it more the the coaching side you learned from, or was it actually playing for for Coach K? Uh, you know, I, I think I draw from both experiences. Obviously, I think having played at a high level mm-hmm. and knowing what it feels like to be, you know, involved in the pressure and the scrutiny as a player and the commitment it takes to be really good and, you know, having to fight through adversity as a player, I think all those lessons 
uh, helped me as a coach. But, uh, you know, certainly as a player, you don't realize all that coaches do uh, and all that goes into running a program. You know, and as a player, you show up to practice and you you practice and do the drills and you listen to scouting reports and then you play the game. And that's, you know, essentially it. You know, as a coach, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in order to run a program that involved basketball, but, but stretch well beyond it as well. So, um, you know, for my coaching career, I, while I draw upon both, I think, um, you know, my time as a coach prepared me even better than my time as a player. Mm -hmm. Two seasons in now with, uh, with Marquette, I'd like to focus on this last season or your, your second season, Um, it started out in Italy. I had the the opportunity to go with you guys. Uh, Henry Ellenson was aboard uh, as a freshman or on board as a freshman, and the guy that we are eventually circling around now, he's going into the NBA draft. What kind of season was this for you? I mean, you started out early with this uh, pizza and pasta trip. Uh, how important was that to get it going early to get that extra practices in when you had this talent? Well, it was very important. I mean, coming into the year, we only had three guys who have ever played a full season of college basketball. Mm -hmm. So we had tremendous inexperience, and we were going to have to blend those three guys with eight guys who uh, had never worn a Marquette uniform before. So that, that head start that we got in Italy and even prior to the trip uh, in terms of practicing was very important for our young group. And uh, we had the fifth youngest team in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought our guys had a, you know, a really good year. You know, obviously Marquette's a very story program. We're getting ready to celebrate our hundredth anniversary as a program. And we were able to win uh, 20 games for just the, you know, 30, 39th time in school history. And uh, we did it with an incredibly young team in a conference that was outstanding that, uh, that boasted the, you know, the, the college basketball national champion. So really excited about the direction we're heading and um, excited about our young guys continuing to grow and mature. And that Italy trip was a great, uh, a great first step with us. But what, and, what was uh, your expectations at um, that time? Before, like, right before you, you went on maybe or started out the practices prior to Italy, what was your expectations going into those first games? Because i mean, it was my first time with you guys, but I could sense that there were some. Of course, we want to do good. We want to see our guys. I know they're young. But there was also this Ellenson. We didn't, you know, I didn't know how good he was, but I could t tell that there was a lot of hype and a lot of talk about, were you nervous? Were, there, were you hyped? What, what was the expectations going in and seeing his first couple of games? Well, I was curious because as good as a kid can be on the high school stage, when you jump to college basketball, it's a whole nother level. And, mm -hmm. and regardless of the accolades or the attention that a kid gets in high school, and you know, obviously Henry got a lot of it, but we have a number of other guys who had a lot of attention as well. You don't know how they're going to adjust and acclimate. And so, you know, I was curious to see how we responded as a young group in a new uh, situation. Mm -hmm. And so, Um, you know, there was excitement, there was anticipation, and uh, there was curiosity. And so uh, that Italy trip was great just to get our feet, you know, on the ground in terms of playing together, uh, in terms of uh, spending time and bonding. Um, and all those things, I think, are important pieces to building a, a program that's going to be successful for the long haul. 
Coach, everybody knew that we were watching NBA talent, or at least it didn't take that that long a time to see when you're watching him move around in there, do the stuff that he did, um, that he was good, and he was going to be eventually an NBA player. But what was your outline for Henry? Did you think it was one, two, three years? Was this already set that when he signed it was going to be one year, or was it something that you know happened uh, over this first season? Yeah, well, we knew he wasn't going to be a four-year player, mm-hmm. uh, but... You know, uh, we knew he was going to have to have an outstanding year to be able to leave after one year and be a high pick. And so, um, you know, we we felt like we would coach Henry well. We would give him the freedom to play to his strengths, and and he would have a lot of responsibility. And what that did over the past season was put him in a position where he's going to be a, a lottery pick. And so, when a kid's going to get drafted that that high, it's very difficult to stay mm-hmm. in school. And, uh, Do you think you know, it would be better for him? Would it be better to stay another year? You know, it's it, it, it's that's a tough argument to make. To be mm-hmm. quite frank with you, just because where he's going to be drafted, he's making uh, just so much money and and opportunity and have uh, an opportunity that's very difficult to pass up. I think by and large, guys who stay in school do get better. They gain uh, emotional, physical maturity that I think can help them. Uh-huh. But how do you tell a kid who's got a chance to make you know three, four million dollars a year guaranteed to uh, pass that up? That's a very difficult thing to do. How how is it uh, coaching NBA lottery talents? I mean, it's not just an NBA player, but it's actually a guy that you. I mean, they're talking. I don't know if it's top fifteen, top ten, uh, but. But just that when it gets into the head of the player, but also, you know, around the coaching staff, I'm guessing there's a lot of agents coming around. But you as a coach also want to, you know, of course you want to coach him the best you can, but also use him in your uh, in your system uh, since you don't really know how, how long he's going to stay. So um, quite simple. How is it coaching uh, a guy like that? Well, I, mean, I think every situation is different, uh, different but, uh, you know, coaching Henry was really good. You know, we tried to focus on the present when I was coaching him, and you know, I didn't want him to get too far ahead of himself, and mm-hmm. and and we tried to shield him from some of the things that can derail a guy from focusing on you know the the here and now. But uh, Henry did a really good job. I thought he um, represented his family, represented our uniform well throughout the year, and had a really uh, terrific year for us. After the Italy trip, you came back and you started out by losing two out of three games. What was your mindset after that third game? Uh, I mean, you started out so good. You had an early start, but maybe you didn't really click. I will say you didn't won nine in a row after that. But after those three games, uh, what kind of feeling were you left with there? Well, you know, I think one, I think it was a great wake-up call for our guys. I mean, obviously the Italy trip was really good for us, but you know, with all due respect to the teams that we played over there, they weren't uh-huh. the level of competition we played early in the season here. And so, you know, I think part of our, our group fall, fell into a little bit of a false sense of how good we were. And, you know, we, that came crashing down after the first few games of the season. And I thought after that third game, we were really able to regroup. We got our guys focused and back on track, and we were able to have a, you know, a nice long winning streak. I started out with LSU, a ranked team, then Arizona State overtime. But I, I'm guessing uh, one of the big wins, Providence on the road, uh, was was one of the the biggest wins of the season. Was that the biggest one? And your reactions to to that game? Um, you know, it, 
very good. You mm-hmm. know, I was really proud of our guys for the effort and the fact that uh, we had a lot of young guys step up on a on a big stage against a quality opponent and be able to come out with a victory. Um, you know, a lot of times with young groups, you don't necessarily know how to win. And so when you're able to come up with a victory, you know, in a high-profile game against a really good team, it builds confidence and it builds a reference point that then they can draw upon as the rest of the season unfolds. Last game of the season in a in a tournament or in a year where the Big East was uh, was more than a mouthful uh, was against uh, fifth ranked Savior. How do you go into that game as a coach? Uh, I know you're not planning on it being the probably last game, and you, there's all these things on who's going to get to where. But but essentially, the last game, I mean, someone's, like we just talked with you about, your career ends in that last college game. But as a coach, you know, there's hopefully uh, another season to look to. Uh, how do you go into a, to the final game of any season uh, as a coach? And, and what's the reaction or the mood like right after? Well, you know, I think uh, our locker room was a little different than most locker rooms after the season that I've been a part of because we had no seniors. Uh-huh. So it wasn't, you know, with the exception of Henry, and even Henry at that point hadn't made the decision to go pro. It was it wasn't like it was the end of a career for a guy who played for us. Okay, and so um, you know, there, you know, again with a young team, and this can be good and bad. You know, I think our guys realize. Uh, obviously, when that game ended, we have a lot of work to do in terms of getting to the level of fifth rank Xavier. But uh, you know, there was it wasn't the end of the race for any of our guys um, that that played for us. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit different than you know, like as a senior when you're you play your last game and then it's over. For our guys, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. It's not over. Mm-hmm. You know, we that's a, a place we can build from. So when did Ellenson tell you that uh, that he was going into the draft, and and how did the both coaching staff and and probably the teammates react? I mean, you probably had an idea about it, but when was he official and saying, "I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm going for this one"? Well, he uh, after the season, our guys were able to go home for spring break about uh, 10 days after the season ended and he was going to talk to his family then but essentially before he left I mean we had had conversations and I told him from all the NBA people that I knew that that he was going to be a high pick and mm-hmm. and um, you know so I you know we had we had a, uh, a pretty good sense that he was going to go pro and I mean that didn't come to any surprise uh, to us and Right from the beginning, you know, we just wanted Henry to do what was in his heart and follow his heart, and uh, because that's the only way it would work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's got to really, really believe that this is the right next step for him, and uh, he did with the the pro option. So we were a hundred percent supportive of him, and we wish him nothing but the best as a as an NBA player. And uh, looking forward to you know watching him Thursday get drafted real high and then following his career. Okay, perfect. Big is it a distraction? The future? Uh, I mean, to of course they they think about it, and it must have been on his mind that he has to play or has to perform or he has to do this and that. But is, do you think it's a distraction that the future to the top players uh, maybe having a hard time staying in the moment and uh, and just you know doing what you're doing right now and and enjoying that or or was he yeah, so you know, level headed? Yeah, I think for some, guy, from some players. 
Some players it is, for sure, that they can get caught up in what's going to happen in the future as opposed to focusing on the present. I, I didn't sense that with Henry. You know, I'm sure there were times he thought about it and obviously you know, wanted to be an NBA player, but in terms of affecting his day-to-day uh, performance or effort, I didn't see that. Did you him. did you ask a coach? Do you let NBA scout? I don't know how this works. So this is me asking top of my head. Do you ask? Do you let NBA scouts come into practice? Can they watch it? Are they just watching games or or how does that whole scene work? When you have, uh, I mean, he's not yeah, the only one who's getting talent. We, yeah. No, I mean we have a number of guys who you know people are going to look at. But early in the season when we start practice in the preseason, we have a number of NBA scouts. We have it. At every NBA team in our in our gym, watching our guys, and um, but then once once we start preparing for games, we cut back on that significantly because those NBA teams can then come to games. So mm-hmm. early in the season, we'll open some practices for those guys. And like I said, we had every NBA team. But once the, once we start playing games, if they want to watch us, they should come to our games. Okay, where do you rank Henry? Uh, not not on possibilities, but. Or maybe compare him to is he is it too big a mouthful to say he's a young Dirk Nowitzki or what what kind of player is he to the guys who haven't seen him uh, play? Yeah, you know, I I, I always uh, I'm a little hesitant with comparisons because uh-huh. I mean, you're talking about Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, you're I talking know. about one of the greatest players yeah. uh, to ever play in the NBA. But in terms of people who haven't seen him and you know, like how he plays. I think he does have some similarities and some characteristics that are somewhat similar to a young Dirk. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Henry's got a long way to go to to prove that, uh, you know, those comparisons are are, um, are 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 good ones because, like I said, Dirk's one of the greatest players and has proven that through his production in the NBA uh, to have ever worn a, an NBA uniform. But, Uh, for people who haven't seen Henry, there you know you can get a sense for for how he plays. Well, what would be a great fit for him? Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily talking about what team would be good, but maybe is he a is he a big market, small market kid? I mean, I know he's he's a local kid for for you guys, uh, but should he play right away, or should he play behind some veterans and and gain some muscle, some experience? What would you say is that would be the best fit for him? Not talking about teams, but you know, kind of positions as coming in as uh, as the rookie. Well, I think yeah, Henry. The best situation for him is go to an organization with a strong culture that is value driven, that is uh, uh, that knows what they want to accomplish, and puts guys in an environment that's conducive to success. A lot of times, those environments are uh, are environments where there's been some consistency in terms of coaching in front office and veteran players, and so. Um, you know, it's sometimes these guys who get drafted really high go to an organization that has a losing culture. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is that you become a, a product of that culture. And so for me, I'm hoping Henry goes to a place that has a strong culture, has a commitment to winning and the values that uh, contribute to winning. Would you like uh, for him to stay in Milwaukee so you could go watch a little bit? I know you 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 had a watch well practice a tryout with the with the Bucks where you had the opportunity to watch. Would that be a would that be a good fit for him to stay local or or would it be better for him maybe to to get a little bit away? 
Well, you know, obviously Milwaukee and the Bucks organization are doing a lot of really good things. They have a lot of talented younger players, and um, you know they're making a huge commitment in terms of doing what it takes to be successful at the pro level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it would be a good fit for him. Uh, you know, and and you know in terms of watching him play, you know he'll he'll still be through Milwaukee whether he's with the Bucks or <laughs> or another team because he'll have to come through and play him. So we'll we'll get a chance to see him either way. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see where he lands for sure. Coach Wojo, were you were you happy? Were you proud? Were you frustrated when you saw him for that tryout with the Bucks? I don't know how that practice or tryout went, but I could imagine as a coach, you would sit there. Yeah, you gotta make that. You gotta do this. You got, or, or was it was he doing all the right things? How does a, tr- a tryout like that work for guys who haven't seen it before? Well, you know, I, I think everyone's different. For a guy in Henry's position who's a projected lottery pick, it's uh, it's an individual workout. There aren't other players on the floor, and they put you through a series of drills, offensive and defense, uh, to see kind of where your skills are at. And, and uh, watching Henry with the Bucks, I thought he did a great job in terms of uh, how he uh, acquitted himself in the drills, his approach, his, his effort, his enthusiasm. And I think he showed quite well. So you're overall happy uh, with the with the product? Yeah, I'm really I'm happy for him and excited for him and and wishing him uh, you know the the best on Thursday night and we'll be cheering loud when he figures out uh, you know where he ends up. Do you, Do you have any idea what What's your gut say? Uh, do you know or uh, is, are you not allowed or you don't want to talk about where you think he's going to be be picked at? No, I mean we don't know. I mean anything can happen on draft day. It's uh, you know it's a crazy you know forty eight hours. Everybody just looks at when the picks are are made, but it's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and so I think Henry will end up in the lottery, okay. and, uh, uh, which is a heck of a thing. We had Andre, Andre Drummond here in Denmark this summer for an NBA 3X tournament. And I had the opportunity for for a longer sit down with him, uh, and he talked about the draft being one of the the toughest experiences for him so far. Because he was, you know, people told him, "Ah, you're going to be maybe top three, top five, at least, at least top seven. And I think he went, he, or he went nine. And he said that when sitting in that rooms, watching the guy go around with the hat or the cap uh, for that next team, he knew that he was going to place the hat on this and this player. He said it was tough, and he started crying at the end when it went down. Can you imagine what goes through some right. of these players? I mean, it is their, you know, obviously dream, but also life that uh, or future at least that's right there ahead of them. Yeah, and and you know, there's so there's so much misinformation that you know, like a, a lot of times when an agent tells a kid or what a team tells a kid, things can change quickly on draft night because of trades, mm-hmm. uh, because of different scenarios that that ruined the best laid plans. And so, you know, you, you have, it's almost like reality TV. You have all these young kids that are waiting to hear their name called. And it, uh, it's not, uh, you know, for the ones that go later than what is, what has been told to them, I imagine it's got to be a really stressful time. Coach, before we let you go, uh, we've touched on different bases here with, uh, with Henry Ellenson. And of course we wish him all the best on Thursday and the rest of his career. But, What does this do for your program? I mean, where does this leave Marquette? One side, you lose a great player, but also you've shown that you can produce and recruit good players and NBA talents. So I'm, I'm guessing this is a very positive for you. What can we expect from uh, from Marquette, and how's the reactions been on uh, on sending uh, Henry to the NBA? 
Well, very positive. I mean, obviously, you know, for uh, a guy to be uh, recruited and then put in a position where he was a Big East uh, Rookie of the Year, freshman All-American, and then be a lottery pick, it shows that we can put a guy in a position to reach the ultimate dream of being an NBA player. And so it's been very positive, and, um, which is which is great. And the the program, what what can we expect from uh, from Marquette this uh, this well, coming we're, season? We're building. Uh, I, I think we're only going to get better. Uh, I love our our young guys in our program. They're working like crazy. They have a hunger and an appetite to improve and to be taught. And um, you know, I think we're uh, a program that is going to establish itself as one of the best in the United States here to come. And you're still winning. The coach's team is always winning on Wednesdays, or or you're when you're playing the pickup games. Yeah, we're still undefeated in New Hope. <laughs> that was one of the biggest subjects I took from Italy. That was the talk. That was the passionate talk when we heard about who's winning. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> the, right. The, the coach's game. But we're still we're still winning. <laughs> that's so good. We'll fly you over. Maybe you can call one of those. I'll games. call one of those uh, games for sure. Time. I'll find a nickname for you guys. <laughs> coach Vojo, it, it's been that a pleasure. Good. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the, right. uh, you taking the time and uh, and letting us in on a uh, on a scene that you know you you only experience if you can play at that level or coach at that level. So uh, so thank you very much for opening the doors. Absolutely, great to talk to you. And and uh, again, we loved having you on our trip in in Italy. And and we're still calling Tracy Carter the engine and, uh, <laughs> and Henry the train. So. Uh, we appreciate it, man, and uh, hope you have a great summer. Thank you, you too. Det var alt fra Coach Wojciechowski, som er altså coach for Marquette University, og altså en af dem, der har stået bag Henry Ellenson, som altså er træner eller spilleren, der skal ind i NBA på torsdag. Om han går i top 10, altså i lottery, som vi øh, hører øh, Coach Wojciechowski her sige, eller om det bliver en, øh, en top 15-16 stykker, at ja, det er altså stadigvæk lidt Uvist. Men det var snakken med coach Steve Wojciechowski, som altså spillede for coach K på Duke. Senere blev han træner sammen med ham, assisterende træner, og så for to år siden fik han altså jobbet hos Marquette. Mit navn er Thomas Bille, og jeg takker af for denne gang. Og husk altså på at ønske alle sammen en rigtig god sommer. Og husk, at du altid kan finde os på iTunes eller Soundcloud. Og på falderæbet Tusk, at vi kan se OL-basket hele sommeren i august måned, og det kan du altså på TV2 Play blandt andet. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50-80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.